Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum Podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I am honored to be joined in my interviewing endeavor with Bonnie Dwyer, uh, editor of Spectrum Magazine. Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks, Alex. It's a pleasure to join you, especially uh, today on a time when you're going to be talking to an Irish filmmaker. An exciting yeah. We have watched the new film, Wolf Walkers, directed by Tom Moore, who we're talking with today. And if folks would like to watch the film, they can on um, their Apple TV app. And before we talk with Tom Moore, Bonnie, I know that you've traveled to Ireland. Do you mind just um, telling the audience um, what you appreciated about uh, this film and uh, the previous film, uh, Song of the Kells, that you've also seen? Tom Moore has made two beautiful films about Irish folklore. The first, uh, Secret of the Kells, uh, was the one that just intrigued me with its art. It just uses beautiful watercolor type paintings to portray uh, the Ireland of uh, many centuries ago. And so then I was uh, excited to know that he had made a second um, film and that's the Wolf Walkers that we're talking to him about today. Yeah, I, I think the themes of spirituality are really beautiful and and very clearly shown and it's a a story that takes place uh in in 1650 where you have the irish people sort of um, moving from town trying to uh, eradicate a pack of wolves in the forest and a little girl um uh, very free-spirited, ends up being transformed by her experience with the wolves and specifically a sort of mythological human-animal hybrid called a wolf walker. So as you listen to our interview today, I hope that you uh, really enjoy uh, this opportunity to talk with uh, a great Academy Award-nominated filmmaker, Tom Moore. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Hello, Bonnie. Hello, how are you? Alexander, good to see you both. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Whereabouts are you guys? Are you somewhere where cacti grow? <laughs> I am. I'm in the Coachella Valley near Palm oh, Springs. Nice, nice. Have you seen out there? Festival. No, I would really like to. I tell you what, if this pandemic has taught me anything, it's not to put off going to Coachella or whatever I haven't gotten to experience yet. <laughs> yeah. Are you also there, Bonnie? I'm in Northern California uh, near Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I like the North of California because sometimes I'm out there for like whatever work reasons and I'm in 
LA. And then when I go up to the north of California, I feel like much more at home because it's yeah. a bit cooler and drizzlier. Right. And when we go out to uh, Point Reyes Lighthouse, the hills there ah. uh, this time of year are very green. And I always think of Ireland as I'm driving. It, it feels like Ireland. And I one see. of the last yeah, I, time- I get that. I was there, I saw like seven rainbows, and I go, this river is Ireland. Gosh, a bit of Ireland land. Yeah. You can tell I brought Bonnie on. She's my ringer here since she's been to Ireland many times. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So have you been on holidays? Have you got family here? Dwyer is an Irish My uh, husband's family um, goes back to Ireland. I mean, we, ah, we yeah. had to go see the pub that has the name of uh you know the family name on it dwyer is dwyer down in cork or where are they yeah cork you're yeah there. down on the bear peninsula yeah i have a friend a friend from there yeah well now that we're talking about a pub we should probably get rolling here before this gets too fun um and i wanted to first just thank you for creating a, a really beautiful thoughtful uh, story that I really found meaningful. And I think a lot of folks who listen to this interview will uh, find meaningful um, across the generations. Hmm. Uh, I was just curious what, you know, I've listened to a little bit of of your story and and how you got um, moving with Cartoon Saloon. What drew you to making uh, these type of stories? There's so many stories, so many great myths to um, tell and retell. What what made you want to tell uh, these type of stories? That's a good question. They kind of organically came one from the other. Like as my son was growing up, I was very conscious that um, for me and maybe for him too, a lot of the Irish folklore was... Um, maybe something that was either for tourists or something you learned about in school as opposed to part of our day-to-day life and I kind of wanted to reintroduce them into the culture for his generation now for his kids generation you know goes on and on and you're just as a storyteller you're just in the middle you just take them from previous generations and try and keep them alive for the next one so I kind of thought that was interesting but then as I focused on the stories the ones that always spoke to me were the ones that spoke a little bit about our connection to the landscape and to nature and how we saw ourselves and so all of them more or less have dealt with um human transformation and animals and humans and the balance between nature because i do see ireland just like everywhere else becoming a very uh, consumer-based culture and uh things are valued more for their um direct kind of commercial value rather than a there was like a deeper sense of the value of things whenever people believed this folklore that connected them to the landscape and to the animals. So those were the ones I've focused in on. I, I, you're right. There's so much you could, you could have two lifetimes, three lifetimes making Irish folk tales. Yeah. Um, I, you know, one of the themes in there that I was um, really moved by was the theme of control, um, control by the state, controlled by religion, even controlled by uh, parents. And um, I was wondering what about the uh, kind of Irish tradition lends itself to um, kind of being able to tell 
these kind of universal stories, even though they're so specific to uh, a part, you know, one part of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think we suffered a lot uh, under colonialism, and then, like a kind of kid who was beaten and takes it out on the dog, we started taking it out on each other. And I think it was this kind of sense of um, of trying to fit in, and make, and people often escaped. People who emigrated to America and stuff from Ireland were trying to escape that sort of overbearing control. And um, I think it just speaks to the to something in the in the culture over the years, whether it's colonial or post-colonial, that um, there's we were always the ones that were kicking up and fighting back and rebelling against the English. And then once we got the country back, we started turning on each other. And there continues to be that. Um, it's really sad. Like I'm originally from the north of Ireland and it's sad to see in the last few days things kick off there again because of Brexit, which I was afraid might happen. And so I just wanted to I wanted to speak to that a little bit because I was I grew up as a Catholic and before I knew what a Catholic was, I was educated in the playground that I was a Catholic, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I think that think that all around the world now whether it's catholics and protestants whatever it is democrats or republicans in your country or whatever the connection that uh, there's there's um there's more in common we've more in common to work to together than if we focus on our differences which is kind of corny i know and everyone says that but it's kind of a it doesn't go away as a theme i think you know no matter where you look in the world there's divisions that are probably best left um at the level of appreciation rather than division, you know. Yeah, so true. One of the first times that I went to Ireland, I climbed, uh, which mountain was it? Um, anyway, it was St. Patrick's Mountain. and Oh, 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 Crowpatrick. Yeah, yeah. Crowpatrick. Okay. And so I get the to the top of Crowpatrick and, and I, my... Um, Religious history uh, and uh, Irish history and all of that weren't too solid. You know, I, I um, so and and I, you know, I knew Patrick was really important, but um, I, I didn't really know that much. And as a Protestant, I asked the stupid question: Was Patrick Irish or was he Protestant? And the good docent. <laughs> just uh said uh well he's honored by both traditions and uh mm. he is very very highly honored you know within the lutheran tradition as well as within the catholic oh, i didn't tradition. know that i did and, not know that um you know he's so early uh because he's like 300 um AD yeah. you know he's he's very early in in the church history before all those battles between Protestants and 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 Catholics and so a saint for everyone uh I thought was was really lovely and then as I you know kind of studied other 
early Irish saints, uh, Bridget also has mm. fascinated me. And so when mm. I first started watching Wolf Walkers, I was wondering if you were going to do Bridget. But anyway, I, I think you should look at her. I mean, she turns water yeah, amazing. Yeah. the beer and everything, you know. So, so Bridget, Bridget and her brat, which meant cape. And Cullum and his cat in secret accounts, we'd call him Kill. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Bridget, Bridget, and I mean Bridget's days, the start of spring and everything like that. And definitely, there's a connection between the kind of character we were imagining for uh, Maeve's mom, Mal, and Bridget. Um, but yeah, no, the story actually you mentioned, Paddy or Patrick, um, was um, in this part of in this part of Ireland. In Kilkenny, they wouldn't convert for him and they would stay in the woods and howl like wolves to disrupt his sermon. So the story was that he put this blessing or a curse on them that when they fell asleep, they would leave their bodies as wolves and they'd have to be the ones between the people and the wilderness, you know. And so it was like a kind of a werewolf story, but a much gentler version of it. And so that's why the, the old um, woodcutter at the start said, he said, it's a deal between Patrick and the old pagans and you're breaking it. So that's where it goes from. <laughs> but yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah, it does funny. I also joke as well that the three movies I've made are dealing with like Irish themes. The first one is about the church, the church, the three Ds. The next one is kind of about depression and this one's about the English. So <laughs> the three Ds of Irish culture. Well, I love the secret of the cows. That was I, both of uh, that's the other one that I've seen, and and both this and Wolf Walkers are so beautiful. The art is just fantastic, uh, but they seem to have a very different relationship, for instance, with Christianity. And um, I was wondering why the this you know what caused the the different kind of response in Wolfwalkers to Christianity than you had in Secret of the Kells. I think it speaks to the time period. I think um, Secret of Kells was speaking to that syncretic time when the Celtic church was, um, it's like, it was like Ireland was the land of saints and scholars and people were coming to Ireland to learn and to study and Kells was the, the monastery where the books and all were kept. And then by the time the Puritans arrived with Oliver Cromwell, I think they were Christian in name only. And so they were using um, Christianity to justify uh, colonizing the country and, you know, quote unquote, taming the Irish. And so originally I would have liked Maul to have been a little bit more representative of the, the people that we saw in uh, Secret of Kells. But we, we sort of simplified her down to represent the old, the pagans from before the time of Paddy. And then all the people in the town are the Irish people who are, you know, going along with this new uh, version of Christianity in order because out of fear and out of control. So we were kind of speaking to the fact that um, uh, Oliver Cromwell, even though he was very pious and everything and supposedly Christian, didn't behave in a very Christian way, even though he thought he was, you know, so that was maybe reflecting the spirit of the times a bit. You mentioned uh, that syncretistic time and I thought the message of the uh, of, of oneness as uh, a defining element of spirituality, whether it's the wolves coming together for healing, the connection to nature, um, even the integration. I found the moment when um, the 
the howling happens to be really beautiful. And um, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just talking about the way that you, as you're working, thinking about the visuals, um, how do you translate or how do you think about translating the big ideas of spirituality into a visual medium? Yeah, it's been my own personal like spiritual journey as well. And I feel like I relate much more to the teachings of the old Celtic church than in the modern church. I feel the dogma is, um, um, and the Catholic church in Ireland has let the people down a lot too. And it became about power. So I felt that those early, like the patrician and even pr- prior to um, St. Patrick, there was people here. Um, ironically, it's not everyone thinks St. Patrick converted the country, but there was monks here before that. And they had a relationship with nature and um, they say things like you learn more in the woods from trees and rocks than from any book. And um, I think that is that for me is the kingdom of God. Whenever you're in a direct relationship with nature, rather than interpreting scripture and trying to tell other people what they should do or who they should be or how they should behave. So I think that is that's a oneness that I, that, I mean, I spent a bit of time with Tich Nahan down in Plum Village after um, and he's a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Yeah. And the way and the way he spoke about that idea of non-duality as a relationship with God spoke to me very uh, deeply. And I kind of wanted to integrate some of that and the things that are common across all religion and spirituality. And again, that was what the theme was. It was like not about the differences. That Robin was a, a Puritan Protestant and Maeve was like pagan or maybe a patrician Christian, but definitely not. Um, the same and they could be friends and they could see the same wonder together that was something that I wanted to focus on personally these are heady heady themes I try and touch on them very lightly I know I'm I'm not uh, trying to say anything concrete because it's the story is about the friendship and stuff but those are the things that would be in my head that's the charm of I think of the movie is the friendship between the the two girls I I um find that just very uh appealing and and very lovely uh that they that they see each other and uh recognize uh a common uh or uh you know a, a soul uh friend yeah. and anamkara uh, you know the what, term anam anamkara yeah soul friend and uh so i i thought that was really beautiful i'm curious now uh, you've done uh, with Kells, you've done this very early period, and now you've done 17th century. What's coming next? Are, are we going <laughs> to uh, jump to the 20th century or are we going to jump back? Well, yeah, so- Song of the Sea, which you should catch up on, which is in the middle, that was 20th century. Um, but where I'm, I'm probably going to leave, these are all themes and they're all of a piece. And what I'm personally looking at now is the connection that we had as a culture with people all around the world. Like you say, there's so many people in, in America that relate to Irish culture, people in Australia, all over the world. So I'm quite interested to look into that and how, you know, what was it like for those first Irish people arriving into America and where did they find commonality or difference between uh, the people there? So that's probably where I'm going to look at next. That sounds wonderful. Will it also be out in nature that you're looking at that? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, that's it. Like I recently read a book called Braiding Sweetgrass, 
and it's by um, a Native American woman who's a, biolo- a biology professor, and she was talking about the her culture, spirituality, and their connection to nature. And for me, I think that's something I'd like to explore more because I think reconnecting ourselves to that to the natural world and seeing it as a spiritual connection rather than just a commercial connection, I think it's a really important theme to keep on exploring. That's beautiful. Thanks, Bonnie. One of the things that I really found mesmerizing was your animation style and the way that um, planes are compressed and there's transparency through layers of color. Um, when did you speak, when, when did you be, was that a natural um, uh, style for you? Uh, is that something that you uh, decided to do because the stories uh, needed that to show connectedness or, or what, what made you uh, create that way? Well, everything was connected. I mean, we wanted to make hand-drawn animation in the face of the fact that everybody was going into CG and we wanted to focus on what hand-drawn animation could do that computer animation couldn't do. And we kind of looked back to traditional media and the stories we were telling also felt like they suited that kind of look. So when we were designing the town, we looked at like woodblock prints that it was like anti-Irish propaganda being printed fast in England at the time. So we kind of made the town look like woodblock prints, but then we wanted the forest to feel very free and very loose and sketchy and more like a watercolor sketch. So it's more like an impression rather than, you know, I mean, amazing studios like Pixar could make like every leaf on the tree, but we wanted to do something that was more expressionistic or more subjective. So that's how we went with it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Bonnie, you, you get the last question. Uh, oh, last question. I don't get to go on and on about the beautiful <laughs> ribbons of light that go through it and the, the wonderful arches that are themed throughout. And, and uh, you know, it, it just, um, it's it's just oh, gorgeous art. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that people. I love that it resonates with people because it's the kind of thing that I'm uh, sometimes worry is going out of fashion, traditional media. So it's nice to be able to offer it. And I mean, with Apple TV, they've been doing such amazing promotion and everything. And the fact that this hand-drawn Irish folktale is being like given the, the blockbuster treatment in terms of advertising is mind-blowing to me, honestly. Well, uh, thanks so much for talking with us today. I really appreciate your work, and I hope that you, that folks listening to this, uh, go out and watch this. And I, I really wish you all the best in your creative journey. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely.